You are listening to Takedowns to Breakdowns. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad you're still here. I survived. You survived. Was it really that bad, though? It's getting easier. Um, and for anybody who doesn't know what we're talking about, uh, this is our fourth session now. Uh, well, Matt training me. I'm his little guinea pig. And today we went to his gym called Skynet, and it's for <laughs> the human race. Um, and what I guess Matt's idea is the last week of every month, we're going to go to his gym and do kind of like a little progress report thing and see like, okay, how is your body, you know, with, I don't know, like how is your body now with certain aspects of training that we've done earlier in the month it, it's kind of like this the summary the the summary of all the work we put in for that month right we're gonna cap it off with this fully like because i don't have a f- so for those wondering our like what do we have at our disposal i use a lot of functional fitness stuff for at home because it, you don't need a lot of space so that's kettlebells that's steel bells which are basically neoprene pouches filled with like steel shots so or constantly shifts in weight and grip yep um sandbags because that's the same thing. It constantly shifts with weight. You can't just directly pick it up as like a very linear type feel, like a barbell, because the sandbag will shift a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, battle ropes, um, <clears throat> which are the long like sh- ropes from ships that you see people work out with. Um, those are very uh, multifaceted. Uh, steel clubs, which are like they sound. They're little like l- they're not that big. Maybe this. Think of like f- juggling pins. Yeah. Just all just completely complete solid steel solid steel yeah um those are just great because you can hit a lot of small joints with those and not overload those small joints with traditional weights mm-hmm. uh, steel mace is the same thing in a way it's just like a long steel pipe with a ball at the end and the ball at the end is where all the weight is so it's very offset in weight so it forces a lot of counterweight work it forces a lot of balancing it forces a lot of like small joint and small muscle uh work as well um yeah like that's pretty much all you need i feel yeah for staying for like for like getting in shape but i don't have stuff like a pull-up bar or olympic rings or trx bands i don't have you know a squat rack i don't have a barbell for cleans or or like heavy heavy deadlifts i don't have medicine balls slam balls i don't have a wall for the wall balls i don't have uh sleds for pushes and pulls, pulls. I don't have a tire for tire flips or stuff like that. So there's stuff that I love to use that I don't have. I don't have a, a incline bench. You know, I, I like doing incline presses. So there's a lot of stuff I don't have, but I have enough to get the job done. By far, I think. I think if I really had to, I could maintain my fitness totally fine. With just what with I what have. you have. Oh, yeah. easily, easily. It would just require. It would just get boring. Like I like switching it up, so I so I usually base my stuff off of my hockey seasons. So right now I'm doing a lot of lifting, a lot of barbell okay. lifting. I'm doing a lot of weight. I'm doing a lot of stuff like that. I'm doing pretty heavy cardio as well, a lot of sprints, a lot of high intensity stuff. But then come winter, come hockey time, I actually change my workouts. I actually stop doing heavy weights. Um, I drop the weight a lot, and I actually pick up kettlebells a lot more. So I do kettlebell huh. day. So instead of barbell day, it turns into kettlebell day. And I do a lot of kettlebell work. I do a lot of lunges. I do a lot of flow work with like popping it over, 
for windmills. I do a lot of uh, double kettlebell work. I do a lot of um, kettlebell squats. I do a lot of balance work with kettlebells. I do a lot of stuff like that, and that's more to maintain. Okay, I was just actually going to ask you, um, as a fitness noob, so by doing a lot of like weightlifting in the off season, that's just to really just maintain the muscle mass. So during hockey season, well, in the off season, it's more like I want to try to build. Okay. Because when I'm playing hockey, even though it's only once or twice a week, I'm not a big person. So the wear and tear of playing against grown men, mm. like or, or grown women who are bigger than me, just wears you down. Like after a hockey game, like I'm in rough shape i'm really sore my hips are really sore my legs are sore my back is tight just from playing hockey just from playing a game Mm -hmm. so the last thing i want to do is go into a game with like you know already a sore back from doing deadlifts or squats or already sore legs from doing you know like heavy sled pushes so it's more of i need to maintain and keep things movable pliable keep things like in motion um so that's why i do that that's why i do that so right now it's kind of like I'm trying to increase what I can with strength and explosiveness. So I'm doing like, you know, squats and box jumps. I'm doing power cleans and a lot of pull-ups. I'm doing like, you know, heavy incline bench. I'm doing heavy sled pushers. I'm doing uh, like big tire flips. I'm doing a mm-hmm. lot of stuff like that. I'm doing heavy sled pulls. It's a lot of stuff because I've done, I've tried it before where I've tried to like keep the keep the rhythm going into the hockey season and i end up breaking down and then i end up not being fast on the ice i get tired on the ice and then you know i'm tired of the gym then i start getting hurt and then i was like you know what i need to just segment it more so that's how i do my fitness i segment it all for that okay um and the number one thing as you know i usually like to do is just maintain the flexibility yes stretch stretch yeah. stretch 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 that's just ooh, so good yeah it's so good yeah (laughs) but yeah so that's what i do but that's just because that's what works for me like i know people who play hockey who do crossfit competition in the middle of hockey season because they have a different body type than i do it's just the way my body works that's how i do it that's pretty much it i have to say though with uh because like i kind of want to bring this up you know it's amazing as you're working out and doing a lot of exercises that your body is just never used to like ever you're talking about in uh, general or for you just in general well i i guess in my experience but i feel like maybe other people can also relate um and i'm talking about my left side so shoulder yes Mm. um so yeah it was our third session the last session we were doing some kettlebell stuff um which we were actually doing today uh well similar i mean i had to do i think session three was um uh, I had you doing steel club pulls. Yes. And then I had you do a kettlebell press. I mean, the right side was fine. I did my five reps. And you're like, okay, left side. I go to do it. And I'm like, I can't even lift this. And you're like, what? I'm like, you're going to have to take this weight from me because <laughs> the angle my arm is at right now, my elbow to my ear, I cannot lift this. Like, it's, that's, I'm either going to drop this. That's or, such a major um deficiency like i like so everybody has a good side and a bad side and in hockey real like the way i was trained and taught is that you need to be efficient in both because the game goes in all directions same thing in fighting now ironically i was just talking to um to some people from class last class about this and it's it's crazy that there are some teachers in martial arts that train people in only one st- one side so they only know how to punch and kick on one side and it's like, Interesting. that is 
the worst investment of time I've heard ever. Huh. It's just it's just like focus on one side. It's like yeah. you're only going to know how to do roundhouse, axe, side, kick from right side, and only know how to do jab. I guess it would only be jab unless you like you switch stance just to throw a cross. But like you know what I mean? Like it's mm-hmm. just I don't I don't understand that at all. I don't understand the and and I know you had asked me the last time too. You're like, well, were you? Did you have like a previous injury? Did you like? you know, break your shoulder or something like, no, nothing. I've never broken any bone in my body. I've never pulled anything made that, you know, major to truly affect, you know, a huge difference when it comes to lifting weights, you know, I mean, but again, I was doing motions with the weight that I've never done period. Yeah. You know, just with my day-to-day life, job related stuff, though I do certain movements Right. You know, and my body's used to those movements. And you're trying to get me into a habit where it's like, no, we're going to do this movement that you'll never do your entire fucking life, but it's going to work out this muscle and that muscle and all these muscles because these will benefit other things. So to to go over, to review like the difference between what we, we talked about a little bit in the car, but to review kind of like what you did in with me here with my like home gym yes versus how tonight went now that you have time to eat and fuel your brain mm-hmm. like how do you feel like what are your thoughts on the differences um like i said before i was actually shocked um how i was able to even do certain things because tonight. in my head i'm like and, and again i keep t- convincing myself like I'm, i can't do it there's no way and you're like no, no just do it and i do it somehow i, I mean i I could see my arms shaking or my feet are shaking no, no matter what position I'm in, but I get it done. You know, like the, what's the proper name for the the balance thing? The, uh, the half ball. It's like, I, I call it the BOSU ball. I could be wrong, but okay. I'm pretty sure it's, it's called BOSU. So, I mean, just a simple thing like that. I'm like, okay, it, it looks simple, but it, I've never in my entire life have balanced on something like that. And I got on it. I was a little shaky, you know, first like 10 seconds, but I got, then I got the hang of it. You know, and then you were kind of like pushing me, you know, not aggressively, but like kind of tapping me to go off balance. And the idea was to like really work my ankles, you know, and like fight against it kind of just to stay balanced the entire time. And then after a few times, you're like, okay, now just do a squat, hold it, hold it. And then, all right, get up. And that was a set. Um, Not bad. No, it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. bad at all. And then from there, you had grabbed a second one and you just had me go in a plank position. So I had my two hands on the first one and then i had my feet on the second one behind me straight legs so i'm just holding a plank but balancing at the same time and i feel like that was more effective than actual planks than actual yeah Yeah. i mean i really felt it in my core yeah it's just it's, it's incredible just adding a piece of equipment to something that you do just makes a shit ton of a difference it's stability like that's the thing like like being maintaining posture in an unstable environment changes the entire the the complexity of muscles in my opinion because it's easy to get complacent in a plank Mm. it's easy to be like i'm just gonna breathe through it and i'm just gonna just stay here but like it's when you start adding the small things it's like cool now suck your gut in the whole time have your try to make your belly button touch your spine it's like ooh, that's different then it's yeah. like raise your hips a bit more it's like ooh, okay yep. now i'm feeling a little bit differently now it's like cool now balance because both your both your body parts that are making contact with the ground the ground's now unstable 
now yeah. your whole body's like oh shit like yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that's and that's the cool part but like it's for those who are listening if like i don't know what you're thinking about that specific exercise that he said but it's if you're not in shape and you're listening it's a great thing to to start doing just putting yourself into unstable environments like have like use like a medicine ball or not even a medicine ball like one of those uh yoga balls and just like sit on it just sitting on a yoga ball and just trying to stabilize and stay stand like straight up mm-hmm. your hips are going to be moving and rotating the whole time like mm-hmm. left to right and forward and back and it's just that's not a motion your hips are used to and that's really good for it yeah you know um yeah it's it's like I said, I'm I'm really looking forward to when we get to a point where it's like, cool, you're doing deadlifts today, stuff like that. My favorite thing today, my the thing that I I was so looking forward to the most, which did not disappoint, was the stretching. Was the TRX stretching for your arms and mm. your shoulders? Was the hanging work from the rings and the pull up bar? It was stretching your hips out with doing the assisted squat, getting you in full range. That was awesome to see. Compared to three weeks ago, you couldn't. I couldn't squat at all. And now you're like... I mean, my ass was probably still like another two feet off the ground. <laughs> yeah. You know? And, so, yeah. And today, you were like, okay, drop down. And like, yeah. You had to figure out your position that felt right, but you were doing squats. Yeah. With the bar. And yeah. then, um, ooh, the angel kisses. Okay, oh, so... <laughs> oh, the kisses. Oh. In the last episode, the gimp room, I, I think we mentioned he's got this roller, this green roller that, you know, you lay, you put on the ground... And it's a trigger point foam roller. Yeah, you just you lay down on it and you roll up and down from your hips to like like your upper back, almost like your neck area, and you just kind of roll back and forth. And there's other positions you could get in to really like uh, you know, loosen up the muscles in other areas. And I thought that was absolute hell on earth. And then he introduced me to what he calls uh, angel kisses, um, which uh funny joke they're not um (laughs) and then he's like oh no we call these dragon teeth and it's essentially a foam roller but as he described it to me it's it's like a monster truck tire that was compressed into like a tube so you have these spikes hard spikes just sticking out everywhere digging into your back and it's like oh oh yeah like it feels so good <laughs> well, yeah, i did it before you did and I, I was showing you how to do it yeah like, hey, just oh just easy peasy yeah <laughs> i'm just rolling up and down yeah like, oh it digs in it feels so good yeah yeah so twice the, yeah that was our pre-game and our post workout thing using that damn roller but like that just goes to show how much i felt like you needed it on your back yeah i'm still shocked though like even after session four i mean i'm I'm still keeping up with the stretches and my back is still just really tight you know so i I might have to just invest in that suck it up and uh just start doing that daily well i told you to just have a mouth guard or a piece of leather and that makes it so much easier yeah (laughs) (laughs) what i you know i i actually brought a mouth guard did you really (laughs) because i didn't know you were being like Dude, I like reboiled it and was like, because I haven't worn it in years. Like, why would I? And you even asked me again. I was like, oh, I hope you brought your mouth guard. Like, serious. I'm like, yeah, no, I got it. it like, it's in my bag. <laughs> I fucking reboiled it, shaped it to my mouth. Perfect. I had like thinking, oh man, like that's why I was so concerned. Like, oh man, are we gonna like spar today? Or I was like, am I gonna get 
be getting hit in the face. Like, I did not take that sarcastically whatsoever. Well, if you had it, I would have told you to take it out so you bite down on it. So, if, yeah. So, the, so I texted Mike and I said, uh, I texted him and I said, hey, make sure you bring a mouth guard or like a piece of leather or something. No LOL. No like emoji after that. Yeah. And then he, he was like, okay, why? So I said, uh, I don't want you moaning out loud in ecstasy because I was implying that the, the foam roller would feel so good and you'd just be you'd be uh, a little a little inappropriate for the gym environment <laughs> for the sounds you'd be making. So I was like, no, 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 bring something you can bite down on to kind of like alleviate the yeah. feelings of goodness. <laughs> but you so, didn't take it out, so I'm kind, no. of, kind of disappointed. I wish you took it out because you could have used it on your back, like definitely. Yeah, oh no. I like, again, I was almost in tears i mean it made your foam roller you called it and i said this before like you call that one the dragon teeth and i call yours the old woman without her dentures <laughs> like it's just i i i miss your roller after experiencing that hell <laughs> yeah that 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 thing is brutal for but, sure but it digs in so well did you hear anything pop in your back i, I always do <laughs> absolutely absolutely i heard things pop probably probably things that shouldn't have been popped <laughs> They popped. That's the only thing that can like really dig in to pop things in my upper back. My foam roller can only pop like my middle to lower back. So the nubs on that one really, I, that's why. I, I feel like that was my issue today though. It was like uh, lower and middle. Lower and middle? Yeah. Like issue with you being able to. Like, like I heard the popping in my lower and middle. Yeah. How did it feel on the hips? Uh, it felt good on, I forgot what side it was. I think it was uh my left side it felt good and my right side it was like oh hello and uh yeah a lot of pain a lot of pain yeah oh but when you get off of it you just feel so like i guess <laughs> in your world yeah oh my god in my world i was just i need to buy that that's a christmas gift i'm gonna ask. i mean i guess seeing as i'm probably like 100 pounds heavier than you there's a bit of a weight difference and because like, so there's more weight pushing down on the teeth. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> that actually makes a lot of sense. I haven't thought about that. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense, but it's all contextual. That's like why, like when I say like everybody should be able to do a body weight squat for me, it's pretty low, right? It's 130, 135, but I'm also 130, 135. So like when I was telling you we were leaving about my barbell workout and I was like, yeah, you just do like, basically 25 barbell squats of body weight just back to back to back to back to back um so i weigh 130 so 130 135 so it's about 135 you would be doing however much you weigh mm -hmm. but it's contextual so it should be fine because you should be able to be lifting your body weight that's that's like the, the standard that's what they say yeah that's the, that's the, the that's like baseline standard you should be able to pick up your weight and put it down so that's pretty much it that's pretty much it we're working on it slowly but surely. We're getting there. We're, we're getting. Thank you for for listening to the the fitness journeys that we're going on because that's always <laughs> fun. Um, speaking of one sided fighting that I was doing in class tonight, Nick Newell is currently fighting for a uh, UFC contract. I believe he's fighting against uh, Alex Munoz. So for those who don't know, Nick Newell is a fighter from Connecticut, from mm -hmm. Western Connecticut. Who has a uh, who has one hand, one arm? Yeah, his he uh, had an amputation of his left arm, a congenital amputation of his left arm. So he's a one-handed athlete. 
and uh, he is, I think, four, yeah, he's 14 and 1 in MMA. And if he wins tonight against Alex Minos, he becomes a official UFC fighter. He will sign a contract. That's awesome. That is very awesome. Um, I have never fought, trained, worked out with anybody with a physical disability. So I don't really have a good judgment call to say anything about the hardship. I, you can only imagine the hardship of having to fight yeah. with yeah. one hand. I guess because he's had it since he was born, he's kind of used to it. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's really, all he knows. That's all he knows. Yeah. So I feel like that's that's pretty... That, in his world, that's fine. But I can't imagine... I can't imagine trying to go up against somebody and and trying to plan about how that's going to be used as an attack because he still strikes with it he oh still, yeah he grapples he, he does everything normal with it yep um and it's it's almost like how that, that probably is actually an advantage instead of a disadvantage because people are probably used to that left side having a certain quality of of movement to it and because it doesn't have that quality of movement they don't know how to read it because mm-hmm. you're not really you know what i mean i'm, I'm sure there's some foundations that's the same but overall it's like Okay, I don't know what he's about to do with that thing, and then oh, he just came overhand, overhand hook, and just caught me like on the temple. Yeah, it's like oh shit, yeah. you know. The so I, I'm rooting for the yeah. If you root against somebody like that, I'm sorry, that's kind of shitty. But I will say this: Alex Munoz, that's not giving this kid a a cookie at all. You're, you're tossing him a guy who's been training with, you know, trained by Uriah Faber, Team Alpha Male. Uh, Sage no- Sage Northcutts trains at Team Alpha Male now. You have Cody Garbrandt, former champion, former bantamweight champion. There, yep. you're 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 coming. You're taking this young lion from a den and saying, "Okay, you need to go, you need to go fight." Like that's that's gonna be that's gonna be tough. Munoz has won uh, three of his four MMA victories by knockout or submission, so he's he's gonna be going for the finish. So I was just gonna ask, uh, what does he specialize in more, grappling or striking? Munoz, yeah. 50-50. I'm going to say just because he's a uh, team alpha male, he, he wrestles more, but he's a pretty well, to, from what I remember, he's a pretty well-rounded dude. Okay. He's pretty much across the board. But, um, but yeah, have you ever dealt with any, like, training or working out or anything? Me personally, no. No? No, not, not, with that, not anybody with, like, some sort of disability or medical condition or whatever, yeah. Okay. Um, but I'll tell you what, I, I mean... If he does get that contract, I mean, think about what the UFC has done just for people in general, getting a lot of people involved with uh, martial arts, MMA. You know, I feel like a lot more people are doing it now than they were 10 years ago. Do you think it's a fad? Um, because, because, like, at, at, at where I train now out of uh, karate, jitsu, and Cheshire... Like it's literally a matter of like we go over drills, expecting what's happening in the in the mainstream martial right. arts community, which is mainly martial uh, martial arts, which is mainly MMA based from jujitsu or from wrestling. I will say I'll I'll put it this way, not MMA. I think BJJ is a fad. You think it's well, first of all, if anybody who, who trains in BJJ is listening to this, they're probably fucking pissed. 
Oh, sorry. Hashtag wait, wait, triggered. So, wait, so you think you think BJJ is overall a fad, or you mean right now it's a fad? Because, well, let's think about because it does have a martial arts history. It's not like it's. Oh, a, oh, I'm not okay. Like I'm not here to bash the style in itself. You know, it definitely has its pros. It also has its cons, just like any style, though. Every style has. Um, them, yeah. But I just I feel like. <sighs> Besides striking, I mean, really, BJJ is, like, probably the top-tier style you should be well, like... Aware of. Aware of yeah. when you're in the octagon. Because there's a lot of ground game. Um, especially for the strikers. You know, like, you could specialize in striking, but what are you going to do when the, your opponent's on top of you? and you, so Or, or you guys effective. take it to the ground. It's effective. It's absolutely effective. But I feel like um, yeah, but- no one really... I feel like more people knew about it or started hearing about it maybe, I'll, I'll say 10, 15, 15 years ago. Let, you know what I mean? So now we're talking like the Randy Couture days and like, you know, a you lot of that, those veterans. And it boomed. I feel like, yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, the UFC has been around for a long time. Right. But it was never popular in the beginning. It didn't have a huge fan base, right? Right. So every, that was the like the wrestle fucking people joked about. Yeah. It was like, oh, you want to grapple? Some Which boggles dude. my mind too, because I feel like in the beginning, that's what I would have enjoyed watching. The the knowing there were no weight classes back then, or you can go gi, no gi. Um, pretty much, their only rules were like no eye gouging or biting. Just go or at it, chance. pretty much. Yeah. yeah. I to me, that's that's fighting. That's true fighting. Um, so it sounds like you're a huge advocate for BJJ. <laughs> well, let me, let's talk about what we were just discussing, what, 30 minutes ago or so, right? So, okay. um, before I got involved with the school that Matt still goes to, um, for, whoa. Sorry, that was me. I, I think I fu- heard that like in my springs too. Sorry, no, that was, um, continue. Sorry about So, that. before I got involved with Aiki Jiu-Jitsu. I was looking at a school in Danbury called American Top Team, and they specialize in separate styles or specifically MMA, which is like a taste of everything, right? So they have uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, Muay Thai, kickboxing, and there was like something else, probably wrestling. wrestling, Um, But then they have specific MMA classes, mixed martial arts. So it's like, okay, we're just going to learn like a little bit of everything in, in one class. Right. That's cool, too, I guess. Um, but for whatever reason, because we see Brazilian jiu-jitsu more often in UFC fights, that's what people see. And it's like, wow, that's amazing. You know, these guys are so bad. At, because, again, you have to think of the whole aspect of the UFC, not, which I've discussed before in previous podcasts. Like, when, you, when you're someone who's not familiar with it, right? Right. And you just see a cage. And you just see these big ass dudes in there with these what four, four ounce gloves, gloves, four ounce gloves, and they're just wailing on each other. You would think underground fighting. To me, anyways, I mean, what other professional fighting sport has had that type of environment? A cage, a cage in, in that type of style a cage of fighting. None. A cage, none. No, no, no. You, I mean, MMA and UFC was. And you just see blood I mean, and you, people yeah, getting... Like, you, like, shoot the box, but, like, that was... Like, shoot boxing was... It's not the same as MMA, but it's the closest 
thing. Right. Same shoot boxing, but but no, I mean like like there was a weird fad right before, like you were saying with the Randy Couture and all that stuff, and that fad to me was the striking because that was the Chuck Liddell, that was the that was like the knockout, that was Rampage, that was you know the the guys who were knocking people the fuck out. But then that's when jujitsu came in because they were striking. So naturally, how do you defend against striking? That's actually where I was going to get to. So I I was actually, because then all of a sudden somebody's doing like an arm bar and it's like, what the hell was that? Right. How is, how are they doing all this stuff on the ground? Right. You know, and again, mid two thousands, whatever. I I feel like that's when it started kind of picking up, you know, they were on spike TV. Um, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, again, like you're seeing this and you're just like, I need to, I need to learn this. I need to understand it. And, you know, I'm sure people did have a passion for it, but I feel like nowadays people are doing it just to, I feel like it's more of a pride thing. I don't, I don't know. I will say I I do feel today a lot more people are involved with Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and there's a lot more, uh, BJJ schools opening up. Uh, especially here in Connecticut. Actually, I think one or two alone just opened up in my town in Naugatuck within the last several months, specifically Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I think the fad about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is that... I mean, UFC is the selling point. The UFC is the selling point, right, because you see submissions, but it's also because you see a striker get neutralized and every fight starts on the feet. So I will say this. And you can judge me if you're listening, Ju- whoever you are, judge, judge, judge away. I don't think the striking in MMA is high quality. I think you have a few high quality strikers. I think overall the striking is very poor. I think the footwork is poor. I think the head movement is poor. I think the, the combos are poor and sloppy. I think the majority of it is not that effective or strong. I think if you watch a Muay Thai fight or a kickboxing fight, you will see high level striking. Don't get me wrong. I know it's different because in those two, they don't worry about ground fighting, wrestling, stuff like that. But when you see a kickboxer, if you see Joseph Valtellini or or Gokan Saki, you see like any kind of, if you see a kickboxer in a kickboxing event strike, that's terrifying. That's mm-hmm. some terrifying kicks. Those are some terrifying kicks. Those are some power, power strikes. Like those are, that. that's efficient striking. That's brutal striking muay thai same thing you could watch traditional muay thai you could watch you know modern muay thai um like professional muay thai you could watch anything but like that striking is also super effective you see the elbows see them stepping in it's like yes i understand if you introduce wrestling and grappling that changes the dynamic of those strike of the striking games for those but look at boxing like you don't really have good like who's a good boxer in mma frankie frankie edgar frankie Edgar is like kind of like the gold standard of one of the best, one of the best boxers, right? Mm-hmm. He has great, he has great head movement. He has very quick footwork, and he's really good with like throwing combos to get to dirty range. He's a good boxer, but it's not strict boxing because it's a MMA boxing style, right? So you see him get clipped a lot. Why? Because his hands have to stay somewhat low for body kicks or for takedowns. So you see that. How, how often do we joke that Frankie gets rocked in every fight we watch? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> he has to get rocked and get bloody. He, oh, he looks fight. terrible. Every fight. Every fight, his defense. But he keeps he keeps pushing, though. But he keeps going, right? And that's why people love him. Um, like, you have, who's another elite striker? Um, Jose Aldo. 
Jose Aldo is an elite uh, Muay Thai fighter, right? Devastating leg kicks. Like, literally destroys guys' legs for years to come. Mm -hmm. But it's not the elite level of Muay Thai fighting. It's it's the elite level of the MMA version of it, maybe, where it's the best that you're going to see in an environment where you can be taken down or anything like that. But even then, you saw him face a wrestler like Chad Mendes. Chad Mendes is not an elite striker. Chad Mendes is a very creative striker, in my opinion. I think not enough people give Chad Mendes or a lot of guys from Team Alpha Male their due because of the drama they have. But look, Chad Mendes has such beautiful combos when it comes from his setups for his singles or his setups for his uh, for his like inside hooks. Mm-hmm. He's he's an incredible athlete, incredible athlete, incredible fighter. And he went up against Jose Aldo twice. First time he got caught with the spinning reverse elbow, I understand, which was brilliant by Jose Aldo for holding the wrist and then swinging over with his reverse elbow to, to knock him flat. But in the second fight, that was, in my opinion, still to this day, one of the best fights I've ever seen was Chad Mendes, Jose Aldo too. And that was a back and forth slugfest. And I wouldn't say Chad Mendes has elite level striking in MMA. I would say he has great striking in MMA, and you saw it go against elite MMA Muay Thai, but because of the threat of the takedown, because of the threat of the wrestling and the, the grappling exchange, it's you can't fully commit to a striking game. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, we talked about uh, Jesse Rose Clark uh, recently, like two, I think two episodes ago maybe, mm-hmm. and we talked about how even though she lost, she looks very crisp. She's extremely crisp with her boxing. She's very good with her striking combos. She's very good. She's very fundamental with her footwork. She's very good with her setups. She has very good foundations for MMA boxing. But if you put her in a boxing ring, she's getting fucking lit up. Right. You know? We saw that with Conor McGregor, knocking people out in 13 seconds, beating Eddie Alvarez with hands behind his back, toying with him for like a round round and a quarter. And you saw him get lit. Granted, it's probably against the best counter boxer in history uh and and floyd mayweather but you saw what happened when an mma striker went to a striker's world that's Mm -hmm. what happens so my point is the striking is fun in mma because the four ounce gloves so anything can happen with four ounce gloves you see that again conor mcgregor is a great example but i think jujitsu has its appeal because you see what appears to be and if you appears to see you appear to see Striking that is supposed supposedly efficient and elite get neutralized by grappling, so you automatically assume that grappling is superior. That's what I think. Yeah. I think because you see somebody get taken down and get grappled, that's the case. Now, is there an argument for that? Yes. There's a huge argument for that. Gracie put that on the map exactly for that purpose, right? Pulled guard and just submitted everybody. But you also see people like, you know, Damian Maya go up against a striker like Tyron Woodley and Damian Maya, who's probably the gold standard for, you know, MMA jiu-jitsu, get lit the fuck up by a guy who's just better than him on the feet. So it goes back to what you say, where I think MMA is a great equalizer to say there's really, with, with all martial arts, there's no one's the best. Or, you, know, you know what it is? It's a jack of all trades, but a master of none. Yep, unless you have somebody... I feel like a lot of these fighters, they say they specialize in this, they specialize in this, but did they... they do. But, I mean, have they really concentrated? I And I know there are fighters out there that have studied one style at a time, you know, but... GSP. Exactly, you know, with karate. 
mm-hmm. and then getting into jiu uh, and yep. then getting into Olympic wrestling. And yes. Then, yep. Yeah. Um, you know, but how many guys do you believe just train in quote unquote MMA? I would just say, just to get a little bit of everything, just to like, okay, this is for you to just just enough to survive. Ninety percent. I think ninety percent are in MMA fair. camps where it's all about conditioning primarily, and then yeah. it's we're gonna work on striking, we're gonna work on grappling, we're gonna work on uh, strength and conditioning. Like that's it. I think that's. I it. mean, look at uh, Leo, uh, what's his name, Machida. Leonardo right? Machida. When he actually, you you were telling me about this. So he kind of was like, all right, you know what? I've been doing a lot of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I need to go back to my roots. You know, let me start taking up karate again. Let me just focus on that. You yeah, know, he went through a Back phase. to my roots. Yep. You know, where what I grew up in with my family. And, and then, then started knocking people out again. There you go. Yeah. You saw the same thing with Anthony Pettis, who won his last fight, who that we talked about. Mm. And it, he it was him saying, I went back to Taekwondo. I went back to jiu-jitsu. I, I got the championship belt by kicking the shit out of people and then submitting them when they came in. Like, I'm not going to try to do anything different. I'm going to go back to my roots. Maybe that's the thing, too. Maybe not everybody has to learn everything. Maybe if you're good at certain things, you can still dominate against people who others would say, oh, there's no way. They clearly have the advantage, but you still destroy them. You know, because you were just physically just born with those, I, I guess... To me, it's the foundations. So you have people who have a foundation in MMA, like let's say Rory McDonald. Good example. Rory McDonald is a MMA fighter. He was trained, he trained for the longest time. I think he still does at TriStar, where Faraz Sahabi took him from Vancouver, and he was kind of like, no, I started training MMA as a teenager, not karate, not taekwondo, not wrestling, not jujitsu. I went to an MMA camp, school. And started learning that. That was his foundation. He's turned out to be, in my opinion, a kind of plan B version of George St. Pierre. Not that I think it's because he actively tried to mimic George. I think it's because by habit of seeing how one of his teammates fights, or yeah, fights because he's still around, he picked up on that. So you see now Roy McDonald, who's a very fundamental boxer who's very fundamental, kind of like how George is. George is a very fundamental boxer. Mm. But George has explosiveness, explosiveness into his wrestling. So you see that that level change of jab or takedown that kind of stands out as being the, the breaker of all deals with his opponents because they can't tell the difference because he's so efficient in his movement for both. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. George is also a, an expert in jujitsu. So when, if he takes you down, if you're not getting ground and pounded, he's breaking something. Yeah. Or you're tapping out to a choke. Um, but Roy McDonald, I, you don't really see him go for too much jujitsu. You see him use jujitsu as a threat, kind of like a jab, but you don't see him get submissions. Yeah, because that's not his style. His style is more ground and pound. So he has something very similar. But I think when you think of Roy McDonald, you immediately think of him versus Robbie Lawler when they had that mm. bloody, messy, brutal fight where McDonald's nose was so shattered he had to get surgery i think like a year and a half later still yeah because he still couldn't breathe right whenever he got touched yep like that was a devastating fight but you saw what happened when a fundamental mma fighter went up against a guy who loves to box and that's robbie lawler and robbie lawler was able to beat him past his jab land his hit land his shots eventually literally break him yeah that's what happened like i think when you have somebody who specializes steven wonderboy thompson 
a old like an old like Leona Machida, an old school karate guy, comes out sideways bladed style. People still don't know how to answer that. Oh, I'm gonna blitz him. Okay, I'm gonna eat a foot in the face. It's like, okay, cool, I'm gonna try to strike with him. Nope, he's gonna come in on me with like question mark kicks and like spinning reverse sidekicks. Yep. That he's still a problem. You have um fundamental guys like uh fundamental girls too. You have like um I still can't say her name. If Tomek ever hears this, he's going to laugh because I can never say her name. But you have Joanna Champion. I mean, she lost it to Rose Namajunas. But she was a fundamental uh, uh, Muay Thai fighter. No, Muay Thai? Kickboxer, I'm sorry. Kickboxer. She's a traditional kickboxer. Comes from a kickboxing background. Her striking was so elite, nobody was able to compete with that. Until Rose Namajunas came along, found a way to, found a way to break that enigma mm. of... How do you get inside to land? I'm going to come in at, at angles. I'm going to check hook to, uh, coming into the inside or coming from the outside. And that's going to cut off her angle and I'm going to clip her. And that's what happened. You know? So you have fundamental fighters like Ronda Rousey. We touched base on Ronda Rousey. A judoka who was taught how to flurry her punches. <laughs> but she did, the, she did the fundamentals. I'm going to get in. My hips are touching yours. You're going for a ride. I'm getting on top. I'm breaking your arm. Yep. That was really all she had to do. It was just, I got to just disturb you enough with my punches to, okay, here you are. Like, grip, rip, throw, land, and then Juji Akami. Yeah. Boom. You have, like, you, we can keep going down the list. Like, you have some guys that are, in my opinion, even though they specialize in one thing, they're able to do everything. Like, a good person, and that, in my opinion, is going back to, um, uh, 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 what's his name? Chad Mendes. He's a fundamental wrestler. Team Alpha Male is all fundamental wrestling. But he's very good in every area. He's a threat in every area. Mm. TJ Dillashaw, he's primarily a striker, primarily a Muay Thai striker, but he's also a fantastic wrestler. He wrestled in college, wrestled growing up, wrestled at Team Alpha Male. You know, f- amazing fundamental fighter as a Muay Thai fighter. But in my opinion, you don't see his wrestling enough. Yeah. Because he likes to strike and he's so good at it when he trains with, because he trains with, uh, what's his name? Dwayne Bang Muay Thai. He trains with uh, Dwayne Lugwood. And you see a fundamental fighter as a kickboxer, but he has all the other tools. You know? Like, if you had, if I asked you to list a non specialist, like, MMA fighter that's atop of the division, I think you still have the specialists are the ones that are ruling. Robert Whitaker, um, he's a boxer. You know? Yeah. He, he's known as being a boxer. And guess what? Even against an Olympic wrestler in Yoel Romero, he boxed him up both times. He has fantastic wrestling. He has fantastic defensive ability. He has fantastic offensive ability. But it's his specialty in boxing, controlling the range, the distance, the gap, when to get in, when to get out, how to hit somebody entering. That That's his specialty. Uh, we could talk about George. I mean, George isn't champion. But another one, George St. Pierre. He's fundamentally, he's a striker. He's not a wrestler. He he famously never wrestled until he became until he got into MMA and then he picked yeah. up wrestling and just was amazing at it. But his striking is the base. His jab is the base. His kicks are the base. His Kyokushin is the base. And that his knowledge of that distance of how to land that strike, that jab, is what sets the tone for his entire style of yeah. fighting. You know? Um don't get me wrong, like you said, specialists fail. Damian Maya, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu special specialty he has quick he has sharp rises than sharp falls all unfortunately for in my opinion like the majority of his ufc career but but i think i think there's a specialty that still needs to be had mm. as far as becoming an mma elite 
So now, getting back to the original topic, your opinion, um, do you feel, because in my opinion, I feel like BJJ's the fad, there's absolutely a lot more people doing it today than there were 10, oh, 15 yeah. years ago. Absolutely. Now, do you feel like people are doing it because they're like, oh, because you know what, you never know when I'll get in a situation, it's I, good for self-defense, or... Are they doing it just because it is the fad and they it's more of a pride thing type of thing? You know, I, you know I, what I mean? I don't I think it's half I think this is effective self defense and the other half like I think half of it is not even self defense. I think half of it is I want to learn how to fuck somebody up. So they take it. And the other half is I think the other half is fully um it's like CrossFit. There's an appeal to CrossFit because you see the people doing CrossFit and you see the elite people doing CrossFit and it looks like a fun community. And I think people looked at jujitsu like uh, specifically saw a bunch of people in sweaty and geese or sweaty and cool spats without geese doing no gi jujitsu and they thought that looks really cool. I kind of want to get into that. And they're like, oh no, it's totally good for self defense or it's totally good because I want to fuck somebody up if they want to fight me. Like fuck them. I think that's the foundation, right? I, foundation. I think that's what is the driver. I think that's the drug because I see it like I see it when I talk to some people who train in BJJ and they're just their attitude about the martial arts are different. It's different than when Chet talks about Kung Fu. Like there's a huge difference in the mindset. Well, how about like compa- like uh, an Aiki yes. student compared to a BJJ student? What do you mean? A mentality? Yeah. Well, the only, only Aiki students I know are like the six to eight people I've ever But if they with. were to talk about it, which I'm sure they have. But Aiki Jiu-Jitsu? Yeah. Compared to people you know that have taken BJJ. There, from everybody I've talked to with Aiki Jiu-Jitsu, at least, it's very... It's almost like a dismissal of not wanting to talk about it. And maybe that's why I pick it up on it. Because I feel like everybody, when you ask... When you ask... A lot of them are just like, oh, it's just... It's basically just like... What is it? It's like striking and, and grappling applied to real-life situations. That's kind of what it is. It's It's... I've yet to... I remember when I first started, I kept asking everybody about it. And everybody was just like, oh, no, it's just basically like self-defense jiu-jitsu. That's all it is. It wasn't really like, oh, it's like this badass thing. Like, you know, the mentality of it was, I think, much more... Don't get me wrong. Like, we both know uh, the teacher that we've had, the sensei we've had, who's a very traditional, respectful teacher. Yeah. So I think there was a much more muted... um, uh, Muted conversation about the art in general. It's kind of like... This is a very old Japanese art. It was used for like combat mm-hmm. back in the day. Pretty much all you need to know. Like yeah. that's that's literally what they what a lot of people would say, at least from class. Yeah. Um, I think if anything, a lot of people from class would say it's a very painful art. I oh, think that's the one time. thing that everybody said is that it's a very painful art. It's a very yeah. difficult art. It's a very uh, <laughs> there's a lot of suffering in this art. Yep. I think that's. I think that's that's what everybody would usually say. It's like there's a lot of pain. It's yep. there's a reason why it's not widely popular. It's mainly because well, I have to say too, like back when I was taking classes and I mentioned like, hey, you know, I, I do jujitsu. The first thing people would say is, oh, like that's awesome. You do Brazilian jujitsu. Yeah, they just assume now jujitsu is Brazilian jujitsu. Like that's the only jujitsu. Right. I'm like, no, just traditional. What do you mean? Like you know, Japanese traditional. Mm-hmm. Japanese jiu-jitsu. Like Aiki. Like the original jiu-jitsu. Yeah. 
like oh okay yeah cool <laughs> you know and they're kind of off by it like giving me a weird eye like okay interesting there's a weird there, there's such a weird uh community uh i think even within jujitsu there's a weird community of kind of like the traditional versus the modern um takes on jujitsu you have the the gi camp you have the no gi camp mm-hmm. you have the bjj com- competition camp you have the mma bjj camp you have the street bjj camp for self-defense like i i rarely find a person or or a and this could just be because i don't i haven't taken all the bjj classes out there but it's like I don't find usually people that are in camps of all, right? It's very much camps of one. Yeah. It's like, well, no, I do no gi or I do MMA jujitsu or I do traditional gi uh, jujitsu. It's, I don't think there's anything wrong with either of them, with any of them or anything better than with any of them. But the mentality between that and what we do is just, it's just that not that, you know, Brazilian jujitsu is not old and it's not traditional, but it's, there's a lot more filters that's gone through than Aiki Jiu-Jitsu. Aiki Jiu-Jitsu hasn't really changed other than some of the practices and techniques have been changed so people stop getting broken bones every class and people can come back because they'll be in one piece. Mm-hmm. It's like, cool, we're not going to like you know actually try to kill each other tonight. We're going <laughs> to... You yeah. know what I mean? Like We're not going to use sharpened knives tonight. Tonight we're going to use like dull knives, like, blade, like thick blades. Still metal. Still metal, but... If you if you get hurt by the by, by it, then that's your own fault. Yeah, it's not so much that like like it's it's still that is what I'm saying. Like there's not a lot of filters in something as old as some, like Aiki Jiu Jitsu. There's no mainstream filter applied to it. We don't wear cool looking things for the sake of looks. If anything, yeah. it's kind of like no, you need to tie your belt properly. You need to bow in on the mat properly. That's kind of like how it's handled. You have Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, which. I think is very similar originally, you know, um, where it was the Gracie and Machado, you know, trees. And it was basically just the very spiritual version of what it has become today, which is much more of the business model version and the fitness model version, because now it's applied through filters of MMA, of seeing it in competition, of seeing, you know, people with spats on with colorful designs or cool Mm -hmm. logos of seeing people sweaty after class, like posing for pictures. Like it's a little different. I feel it's a little different in that sense because there's just been so many filters from the mainstream eye on it. I think that's the, I think that's where it comes from. In Mm. my opinion, I think that's where it comes from. I could be wrong. I could be totally wrong, but that's my opinion of, uh, of why it has that kind of perspective compared to something like you were saying, I could jujitsu. Yeah. All right. I will say this. I absolutely prefer traditional over BJJ any day. And I've said this over and over again because my philosophy is if you end up on the ground, you already failed. True. The idea is to avoid that. True. And I feel like that's what Ike is. If anything, you're going to put the opponent on the ground, but you're going to keep it at that and just walk away, run away, whatever. And there shouldn't be shame in that, you know, not every, and this goes to anybody, you know, like if you are trained in Brazilian jiu-jitsu or just any sort of style and it does get to the ground, you see your opponents, your opponents down, just end it. You don't have to continue the fight. It's, I think it's the image. I think it's the image, right? So like you, you go to like, yeah, there, there, there's the notion of going to CrossFit to be, 
healthy and a supportive fitness oriented community but there's also the part of you that wants to look like that hot dude with the shirt off with a six-pack with fibers and body fat who you know what i mean like yeah and it's the same thing you know like if you do jujitsu you don't want to be the person who tries to avoid the conflict you want to be the person who's like you know you want to see the victory that you see on tv when people submit and somebody taps and you see like the glory and, and winning like yes is there a fitness and practical self-defense aspect to brazilian jiu-jitsu 100 sure but is there a little part of it that's also that yeah there's no glamour or honor in a lot of the older arts because a lot of the older arts shun that yep if anything it's you're not supposed to be gallivanting about your honor and glory of your of your fighting like that like it's no you show up to class you perform in class you train you leave that's it we yeah. don't pose for pictures we don't do videos we're not trying to nobody literally nobody sees me in a room with just both senseis and me like that's <laughs> there's that i'm just an example but like there's no you don't see that with a lot right you don't see you don't see a lot like you see some studios where it's like it's almost like they want to display what they're doing it's mm-hmm. like this which just makes sense because it's the business aspect you need to sell right but you do but then it's like well does it is it more for the money or are you, well, you truly to, you're running a business but well i mean there's mcdojos out there who are just in it for the money there's fake instructors yes that is who true. open up a school claim they know a style teaching kids or adults a style when really you could be doing physical damage to them if you yeah. train them the wrong way. Very true. You know, and it you got to ask yourself, like, when you see these promotional videos, like, constantly, especially if it's coming out of one school all the time, is it because they're trying to get more students in because they're that passionate about it? Or No, that's a business move. Exactly. That's a business move. But that makes sense. They have to, they have to keep the doors open, keep the lights on. I get it. I get it. Like, I don't have... As much as the... Uh, uh, it may appear that there's jujitsu bashing here on this podcast. I, I just want to put out on the record. I don't think either of us really hate Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Not at all. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I wish Chet was here so I could see his face and reaction and see him talk <laughs> about MMA and everything. But I think... I think there's very much so when something becomes mainstream and ego involved yeah into into the act of something Uh, and i i think that's a good way to leave it at that i think it's i think if you're curious about martial arts i think there's nothing wrong with going to brazilian jiu-jitsu school and giving it a shot i don't think there's anything wrong with that i i think it's i think it's totally fine i think i think you know what it is too i think there's a large amount of people that don't care about the traditional part I think there's a lot of people that don't give a shit about tradition, about the history. They just want to go there, sweat, get their aggression out, and learn how to kick ass and defend themselves. Yep. I think that's also the bottom line as to what causes a lot of this stuff as well. Is that like that? That's that's one hundred percent it. That's one hundred percent absolutely. It, you know, I mean, that's the that's that's part of the conversation we had with Chet when he was here. It's kind of like the history and the honor of tradition when it comes to martial arts Mm -hmm. like there's it's hard because it's a business it's hard because it's a business it's 100 percent a business like you can do things out of the like for example we do this podcast just because we're friends and we would be doing this anyways yeah but we like 
I like doing podcasts. I like putting stuff out there, and I like getting people's opinions on things I say. So I do podcasts. I also podcast enough about you with Johnny and Chris, mm-hmm. and we just talk bullshit because that's what we would do if we were together, anyways. But if you told me that you would pay me twenty five hundred dollars a week to come up with three of these episodes, takedowns to breakdowns, and to talk about them, even if I get tired and bored of it, I'm gonna fucking do it. <laughs> like. It's just, it's, it's a business at that point. It becomes a business, right? But I think what helps too is you already had the passion for it. Like for right podcasting? Now, or? Like right now, we, yeah, absolutely. You have two podcasting channels right now. Yeah. You know, like you, you're doing it for the joy of it. It's like, obviously, yeah, there's a benefit for getting paid for it afterwards. Right. But if you're one of these guys who starts up a business just for the money has no idea what they're doing but they know for a fact you know what people go towards this because this is the fad now so i'm going to start making money off of this right that's where it becomes an issue for me because i have total respect for like you know there was a passion in the beginning you were doing something for free just to do it because of passion but if you just started with the idea like, I'm doing this because it's going to make me money, that's where it kind of becomes a problem. And you're not true to yourself either. True. You true. know? Because if, if this or your other podcast channel becomes big one day, which I hope they both do, you know? Thanks. No, because I think they're both awesome. Oh, I, I mean, I, I, I hate to kind of sell this one, but no, I, honestly, they're, they're both really great. Um, but it's like, yeah, the thing is, is if you were getting a paycheck every week doing this, I don't think you would change personally. No, probably not. I might be more anxious because if I quit my day job, I would probably be making uh, probably more money. Actually, if I got paid 2500 a week, but oh, hell yeah. I'm definitely making more money if I was getting paid 2500 a week. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, yeah, you're, you're so deep in this. You know what I mean? True. I feel like the money is just like all right, that's a little benefit. Like, now I'm just getting paid for it. And doing something that I already love to do. And makes it for, for That I've been doing for free. Right. True. So. True. I mean, I, I, don't run, I don't run a business, especially something as volatile as a restaurant or a martial arts school. Like, it's... I feel like the only schools I see that are really successful are big-name schools or yep. schools that are tied to big names within martial arts. Yep. Um, like Lover Teixeira. Mm-hmm. has his own school he can he can do that he's a current top 10 ranked ufc fighter yeah he can do that and people will go there just because his name is in it exactly he's, he, you know what i mean it's his school so people will just flock to it exactly exactly i um my team my teammate well yeah he's my teammate my uh classmate uh my friend josh actually was asking me last class before class he was like did you ever think about trying anything else like have you ever really thought about trying like devoting more time to a different school instead of doing this. Oh, like a different style. Of, yeah, instead okay. of like, have you thought about dropping Aiki Jiu-Jitsu and trying something different for a bit? And I was like, honestly? Not really. Like, I think I talked about it on this on this podcast before, but I was like, not, not really. I was like, the only two things I would want to maybe put time into just for, you know, shits and giggles would be Muay Thai. Um, Muay Thai and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Just because those are two very dedicated spaces to striking and grappling which yes we do both but exactly that we do both we don't stick to one 
So I, th- I thought it would be really cool to be like, you know what, I'm going to see what it's like to dedicate time to striking. I'm going to work on just, just striking, just turning the hip over and putting power behind the punch or rotating, rotating the hip and the legs properly to, you know, land mm. that leg kick, you know, like hardening the shins, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, or jujitsu. It's like, oh, hey, I want to be able to have the cardio for grappling for long periods of time or I want to know what to do if somebody's you know got me in a twister like or you're about to put me in a twister what do i do like stuff like that i think would be cool but but it's just like you know i a i don't have time you know you know i'm a very busy guy i don't have time to really change anything mm-hmm. or to do anything else and it's also like i've spent so much time writing this one art that i still have so much to learn it sucks how much i don't know yeah. it sucks how much i'm not good at still it really does and there's nothing wrong with that though you know just sticking with one for now and then like 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 sorry to interrupt but i want to get your opinion on this and we can end it on this segment but do you feel proficient in martial arts i'm not going deeper in that question you can take it at face value just do you feel proficient in martial arts yes and no so if i said you're gonna go perform in a competition um in my current physical state definitely not okay you're in the street and somebody tries to attack you there's probably a good chance okay i still feel not inefficient but not as proficient as i probably should feel in martial arts which maybe just because i like my entire martial arts life i've been just the lowest ranked peon that gets beat up so maybe I'm just used to that, but it's, I don't feel as proficient as I should feel after doing this for like six years. So just pertaining to your style in general or the fact that you don't really concentrate too much on striking. That's just in general. Just okay. in general. Like, I feel like, I feel like everything could be better. My takedowns could be better. My, my, my grappling could be better. My striking could be better. I feel like too often I get flustered when I'm trying to counter. I feel like too often I get caught in, I get, I, I lose a lot of scrambles when I, when I'm grappling or rolling around. Mm. I, I just, I just feel like I'm not as, no, don't get me wrong. I'm going against Sensei Fusco, who's like 25, well, I w- 30 years. Yeah. Of training, well, I was so. just going to ask you too, is it because as you're about to do a takedown or get ready to defend a takedown or whatever, do you already have that mindset like I'm going up against Sensei, compared to like oh I'm going up against a white belt, because it that then that's all mental, you know True, that, that you just have to overcome. That would be mental, right? But like I've also and I've talked about this before on enough about you the my other podcast, but like I really want, wish I could fight somebody just my size. I've never fought somebody yeah. my size ever. It's always been heavier. It's always been taller. It's always been. Actually, I can relate. Um, well, Jay was a little bit more your weight, right? Well, yeah, okay, <laughs> weight, fair enough, but height difference? Oh, <laughs> true. <laughs> Let's just say I should be Jay's height, but I, they, I'm kind of like squished, <laughs> so we're the same weight. That's me saying I'm fat, by the way. Um, no, but like I've always been in a situation where I've gone up against taller and stronger people or people that are on my level as far as strength goes, but it's like they have that height advantage, reach advantage. Or before I was even training with them, I was training with someone like Gina. 
you oh, know, who's, who's, who's much smaller, smaller yeah. much, you know what I mean? Or me, who's um, also very much But I can also me. relate to in previous styles that I've learned. So, like, Taekwondo was the first style I ever got involved with, and I remember being on the sparring team. And, unfortunately, I was sparring against a girl every single time. And it was because her and I were the same age. Uh, and... Okay. um all the other kids were probably like my brother's age, you know, like a couple years younger. So they would fight each other and I would be sparring with a girl. So unfor- I mean, I obviously no one could help it. We were the two oldest kids. We just had to go up against each other. It is right. what it is. But I was always in that situation where it was either with the opposite gender or it was the same gender, but bigger guys. Um, even karate, for example. So I told you my grandfather taught me. Obviously, I didn't go up against him, but I did go up against my uncle every now and then who would show me like some judo move because every now and then he threw in like a judo move here and there just to change it up. Or, uh, you know, even when it came to sparring, oh, we're going to work on punches, we're going to work on your kicks. And then it's like, okay, well, now you're going to defend and I'm going to attack you with this bow staff. And there, here comes my uncle who is probably only two inches taller than me, but he's just way bigger. And he's been doing it since he was a little kid, also yeah. taught my, by my grandfather and does Brazilian jiu-jitsu on top of that. So I was always put into a situation where it's always bigger guys against me or I'm training with girls. So it's either I have way too much of an advantage or I'm the victim of like a premeditated like murder right. <laughs> that's about to happen. <laughs> I think, well, there's something that that's something very unique. I feel also in martial arts, which is very much applied in life. There's no weight classes in, in the real world. You just, yeah. you have to deal with what's thrown in front of you. And that's kind of, I guess the beauty of martial arts, you're forced to deal with it. But there's a part of me that's like, you know what? I just throw me in a cage, I guess with somebody, my fucking size. Like, I just want to see how it goes. <laughs> like, yeah. I would just love to see if I can hold my own. Well, that's why I said, I, the way I answered your question, I was like, yes and no. And you're like competition wise, eh, probably not because it is more about at that point, it's a point system. It's about your form. It's about your technique. You know what? That's what the judges are looking for. Even if there's not really that much power behind it, they want to see that technique. Right. Right. But in a street fight, you goddamn right, and I'll fight dirty. I'll spit in your spit in your eyes. Yep. I'll, I'll bite you. Yeah, like exactly. I'll do whatever I can yeah. to be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No. So I, I just I don't know if that was unique, or if that was just a me thing. If I was just like, I don't feel really that proficient. I really also because I've also never been able to fully unload because I've tried to fully unload on higher ranks, and at the time I was like a yellow belt that doesn't a fully unloading yellow belt doesn't really do much to like a purple slash well brown. plus i'm sure you get something else in return they're like oh okay you're gonna do that so exactly so it's kind of like uh i kind of don't i kind of need to walk yeah. this week so i'm not gonna and i guess that doesn't help <laughs> your only training partner being either sensei <laughs> yeah so that's absolutely not happening i so i think that's just it man you're always going up against higher ranks that's your problem and then it becomes a mental thing yeah it might just be a mental thing. You know, because I have a feeling like, what if it was the same person, but you saw they had a white belt on? Huh. And they didn't have a title. I Well, Josh I train with right now, he's a white belt. I mean, he's he's a bit, he's heavier than me. He's, we're almost, we're pretty much the same height, but he's a bit heavier than me. Okay. But, um, 
but he's a white belt. I'm not going to unload on a white belt. That's but see, you're nice. Mean. You're nice like that. <laughs> That's very mean. Like I've actually like been yelled at because I've they've been like. Well, why? see now you're not a true higher rank then. <laughs> They're like, why are you taking it so easy on him? I'm like, it's been <laughs> three months. Like, give him a shot. Let yeah. him get, get adjusted. <laughs> why do you want me to unload this this throw on him? It's like dump him. Just dump him. I'm not. I'm not. What? <laughs> I ask him, like, dude, you, you okay if I dump you? He's like, okay, yeah, go for it. I'm like, all right, cool. I'm like, wham! He's just like, Ugh. yeah. I'm like, sorry, yep. dude. You you said okay. like, Yeah. I, okay, well, I'm glad it's more of a mental thing. I'm glad it seems more like a mental thing. Yeah, I think for, and that's just it, right? Your whole martial arts journey since starting Aiki, you've always been against higher ranks. Yeah. Your entire journey, all these years. I came Jay and Dylan, and then eventually you had students here and there, including me, come and go, you know. But it's always been Jay Dylan and then the senseis. <laughs> Those were your training buddies, pretty much. I mean, I mean, Gina was a training buddy, but Gina also has way more experience in the broad range of martial arts than I do. Like again, her throws are so tight. Like you would go, we would go grab as the UK and just. Just you, th- just wham! All next thing, and I'm like, all right, cool, I'm on the ground. But I- did you have the same mind? Th- process going up against her than you did well i never really went up against her we never really did rondori that much like we did a lot of rondori when i first started my first three years were just rondori 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 (laughs) belt test rondori belt test strikes (laughs) on the bag rondori like we did that a lot more of like all right stand in the middle all right like high ranks go first strikes only like that's yeah like that was way more with that with with uh around that time and it was like uh you, Gina, Jay, Dylan, when it was that, when it was that group, that was not really a lot of Rondori. For the higher ranks it was, but for Gina and I, not. I think the one time I went against her was her belt test. Maybe. And that was it. Okay. I think that was it, yeah. Fair so, enough. So, no. But, uh, I guess I just gotta fix the mental part, which is 50% of the battle in martial arts. So, if you, listening want to do something fun this weekend you should turn tune into ufc fight night uh saturday july 28th it's going to be eddie alvarez versus dustin poirier which is Mm. going to be an awesome fight because eddie alvarez is a fantastic fighter former champion going going up against a in my opinion constantly evolving and invigorated dustin poirier that's going to be fun but also you're going to be seeing Jose Aldo versus Jeremy Stevens. And that's going to be a very good fight as well. Um, you're going to see Ooh, Hernandez versus Aubien Mercier. It's going to be really good as well. There's just a lot of fun fights. Um, excuse me. What's another one? Uh, they have Fox prelims are pretty good. You have uh, Main versus Morono. That's going to be pretty good. Um, I can't pronounce that last name, but Johnson... You have a lot of good fights, and I think you should watch if you're listening because it might be a little entertaining because I think there's going to be a good amount of finishes. But, um, yeah, man, it's getting late. We got work tomorrow. Word. Word. Good times. Thanks for coming over. Thanks for working out. Thank you. (laughs) All right. See you guys. Peace. Peace.